You know, sometimes it can feel as if we've been pushed out into the world, lugging a sack of traits that we weren't really taught to unpack. A frequent outcome is living below our potential as we settle for less than we really desire. Unfortunately, you can always choose a different path if you stay open-minded and receptive to progress. And this is something that I want us to tackle today. Welcome to A Slice of Life. This is the Anxiety Master podcast. My name is Dominic Decker, a coach, registered therapist, and your support for a strong and confident life. For a long time, I thought confidence was an attribute that some people had and others simply didn't. However, I now understand that this isn't the case. A confident attitude and demeanour are not some part of life's mystical potluck, as much as it might seem that way sometimes. Now, while some people are naturally more confident due to their ability to tolerate uncertainty and regulate their emotions, confidence is a set of skills that anyone, you, can develop. Over the years, I've extensively experienced the confidence errors that we're going to discuss today and also tested their antidotes on myself and also upon many clients. So while none of us admittedly have become overnight performers, progress has been steady and reassuringly observable. So I really hope this is going to help you too. All right, let's dig in. So firstly, well, how would you assess your current confidence levels? Or maybe before we start with that, we can start with what confidence is. And broadly, confidence isn't belief in oneself and one's abilities. It's that feeling of self-assurance and trust in your capacity to handle different situations, make decisions and successfully achieve your goals. Confidence is an essential aspect of mental and emotional well-being as it influences how you perceive yourself and how you interact with others. So confidence isn't about having an exaggerated sense of self-importance or superiority or even an overestimation of your abilities or achievement, and this is what we might term as being arrogant. Instead, it's about having a balanced and realistic understanding of your strengths and weaknesses, yet still being able to trust in your ability to face these challenges and grow from them. Well, here's a quick non-scientific assessment. Imagine the following scenarios, and firstly, just focus on your gut response, the sensations that arise. You have an interview tomorrow morning for a job that you've set your heart on. You need to give a talk next week to a room full of people. There's an exam coming up that will determine your prospects. Your boss has asked to speak with you about your performance and it doesn't seem good. Lunch is confirmed with someone you fancy and it must go well. Typical reactions to such scenarios will land somewhere between utter dread and excitement for most of us. And that's not surprising. And while the sensations we associate with fear and exhilaration are similar, it's how we interpret them that makes a significant difference. So if your response to the events mentioned is a peak of curiosity and excitement, excellent. Because for many of us, as much as we'd like to welcome such opportunities, we'll probably confront a sense of threat or a fear of humiliation, loss, potential failure, all of those disabling feelings that stop us from putting our best foot forward. And consequently, we might avoid these types of situations and over time the impact of reduced chances and life's missed opportunities can be dramatic. So confidence or the belief that you can rely on yourself plays a significant role in shaping our lives. It affects how much we're prepared to take calculated risks, set ambitious goals and act upon them. 
because people with low self-confidence may subconsciously undermine their lives in all manner of different ways, whether it's personal interactions or in their professional life with their success at work. For instance, they might be less likely to ask for or get promotions, raises and even new jobs that they really want to have in the future. A person with low self-confidence often struggles with low self-esteem, which refers to how much you value and appreciate yourself. And low self-esteem often abandons us when we need it most, and when combined with low confidence, can result in limited opportunities, lower earnings and reduced creativity or entrepreneurial spirit. And it can be a really disheartening experience to confront. There's a belief that low self-esteem goes hand in hand with incompetence and apathy. And worse, people tend to smell the unhealth of low self-esteem almost instantly, and it's conspicuous. So regrettably, co-workers or bosses and customers and clients can make negative assumptions about people who exhibit behaviours of low self-esteem. So all in all, it's a pretty rubbish combination for all those concerned. Plus, it's entirely unnecessary because each of us can take practical steps towards a more reassuring and confident position for ourselves. So let's begin putting things right, especially for your confidence before stressful events. And if you are a confident person, well stay with me anyway because you'll be interested to define what you're likely already doing well and so that you can ensure that you can do more of this in the future. Firstly, I'd like to start by highlighting some typical confidence errors and then we'll move on to identifying the antidotes. So the very first error we tend to make when it comes to confidence is forgetting that confidence is situational. So what does this mean? Well, people with low confidence tend to think in sweeping and generalising terms about their abilities. In other words, you might forget that your confidence is situational. So you'll have situations in life in which you were and are successful. You give yourself time to prepare for things and as a result you'll receive favourable outcomes, perhaps even better than expected. And when this happens, you likely have a subtle sense of pride because you prove capable of assuring results. And what's more, successes that you minimise or take for granted, like attending a job interview or making a tricky phone call, say much about who you are and what you can do. But when anxious, you likely forget or at least tend to downplay your previous successes. Instead, you likely think things like, I'm just not a capable person or I'll never be able to deal with this situation. In other words, you identify as inadequate or defective despite your wins. And as you absorb this message over time, these inaccurate statements begin to feel real, even though they aren't true. So what's the remedy for this? Well, firstly, we have to learn to be specific about the context of feeling underconfident. So, for instance, if you're nervous before an event, you want to be as clear and straightforward as possible about your feelings in relation to that specific event. In other words, you want to isolate and compartmentalise the experience into its appropriate box. So you might begin with something like, well, it's true that in this situation, I feel less confident than I would like to. Yet, there are other situations in which I am confident. Now, whilst that might sound like a modest reframe or adjustment in your thinking, maintaining this bigger picture is essential because there's always a broader and more accurate context than the emotion-driven story your lower confident self is likely buying into. So in other words, there are many situations in which you are confident and competent. So as easy as it can be to forget those in the moment, you mustn't disregard this vital dimension of who you are. 
And ultimately, the stories that you tell yourself matter. So the tale best be kind and truthful, offering you the power to act. Now, once you've injected some balance, in other words, reminded yourself that confidence is situational and then narrowed down your feelings to the event at hand, it's time to identify what needs to happen for the event to go well. And this brings us on to the second error, which is when we're facing situations in which we really need to stand behind ourselves, we often encounter a misplaced focus of our attention. So this second confidence mistake concerns a misdirected focus you likely emphasise what you don't want to be like in an upcoming situation rather than what you do want. So first you might think, oh, I don't want to look like a fool. And then you might tumble towards, why do I never feel good about myself? Or why do I always land in these difficult situations? So in other words, what I'm driving at here is that focusing on what you don't want or are afraid of happening will lead you on a hunt for why. Now, don't get me wrong, asking why isn't inherently wrong, but self-reflective questions are usually better suited to practical problems in which you want to correct some specific issue. They're often less helpful for emotional problems because they lead you down distracting rabbit holes. I mean, in many cases, you'll end up jackknifed on memory lane, bumping into negative and, frankly, often unreliable recollections and scrutinising past failures in the rearview mirror. And this amplifies this helpless impression of yourself, the last thing you need when you want to increase your sense of ability. So what is the antidote for this? Well, whenever you're facing a situation and you want to step into your confidence zone, you need to focus precisely on what you do want to be like in that situation. So rather than concentrating on what you don't want, emotional goals are better supported by focusing on what you do want. I mean. Imagine trailing in a sports match. So it's half time and your team are getting thrashed. Maybe it's a, a football game. As you come in and you're sitting in the locker room, heads lowered and huddled together, you try to lift your spirits for the second phase of the game. But imagine this. Imagine if your coach only criticises your mistakes and underperformance. He's throwing fireballs of blamed admonishment about how you should have been better and what you did wrong. Well, in those circumstances, would it really help you to be belittled if you wanted to up your game for the second half, just when you need to gather your focus to improve? Attacks on your shortcomings will be disheartening and destroy your motivation to recover. And this is something that you have to be very aware of, this internal dialogue that we have. We're often buying into a voice that's kind of belittling us and putting ourselves down. And sometimes... This becomes so automatic that we don't even question it anymore. But instead, you need to give the back part of your mind, this is the unconscious part, a strong and positive message about what responses you do need from it. Well, this is because you want to create a clear and detailed picture of your success in this situation. Now, for this reason, it's vital to focus your attention correctly. So if you have something coming up, you're preparing for an event which you really want to go well, you want to be the best person you can be in the situation, you can prepare yourself with crucial questions. Questions like this. Well, what will confidence feel like in this situation? And what will I look like from the outside? In other words, what will other people see? What will they observe? What will people notice about me when I feel calm and assured? And how will I feel afterwards? when it's all gone well. So gaining this clarity 
I mean, as I was reading off those questions, you probably already had a sense they feel much more compelling. They're much more interesting because the brain likes to work towards goals. So gaining this clarity can inform a detailed mental scenario for your success. And as I said, it's much more compelling for your brain to consider these prospects because they feel like moving forward. So now that you've isolated the setting for underconfidence, we've compartmentalized it, we've put it in a situation that it belongs in, and that we've focused upon creating a compelling mental image for what you want, now it's time to externalize your attention because this brings us on to a critical third error of underconfidence, and that is excessive introspection. So similar to the second mistake, the third error is focusing excessively on yourself to find a solution. You know, it's not uncommon for us to tend to assume that self-scrutiny equals better people. But here's the thing, overanalysis often grinds us into a catch-22 and there's nothing good about that. So the more underconfident you feel, the more you might tend to zero in on yourself to determine what's wrong. And now you feel even less confident with the focus on your perceived weakness or inadequacy really dialed up. And this becomes a devil's circle because it fails to assist the improvements you want. And excessive introspection usually leads to a misuse of your imagination. This is all the what-ifs, all the projections and anticipations of fear into the future. And these are rarely, if ever, constructive. So the remedy here then is we have to break this excessive introspection and we want to focus instead on the external situation. Because a big part of feeling confident in any performance situation is to forget about yourself, at least a little bit. Now, naturally comfortable people focus less on themselves being the experience and more on being part of the experience. In other words, they effectively focus on the external situation and the world around them. Now, you probably had an experience like this. Imagine that there was a party that you were a little bit anticipant about going to. Maybe you're thinking, oh, I really don't feel very sociable this evening or I'm too tired or I've got other things in my mind. I'm feeling too distracted and it'll probably be boring and I can't be bothered to put on a show. You know, all of those feelings that often come up for us. But then you might go and you have a couple of drinks and before you know it, you find yourself in the flow. And in reflection, you think to yourself, I actually had a wonderful time. But that can only happen when we learn to forget ourselves just a bit. So here's the thing. If you focus too much on yourself to figure out what you should be doing better, you'll stifle your natural potential. Because placing yourself under a severe microscope makes anything you do seem awkward or uncomfortable. You know, sometimes when that self-focus really dials up, it's as if even the way that you might clear your throat seems icky and wrong. And so you want to direct your attention to the world out there rather than the one in here, inside. Now, happy and confident people handle events gracefully because they take themselves lightly. They make for easy and assured company because they aren't overly precious about themselves. And this attitude allows them to flow and adapt in situations and to be in the moment with grace and light. So avoid jumping under a self-imposed spotlight and placing all the make-or-break attention on your performance. It's less about you than you think, and that's a really good thing. Okay, so we've covered there three critical errors when it comes to confidence and three antidotes that if we can learn to put these into place, even in some modest form, it will have a significant impact upon how you feel 
about the situations that you face. There's a bit to remember there. Here's a quick roundup. So number one, remember confidence is situational. So if you feel underconfident before a situation, keep that internal emotional experience in its place with a defined and context-specific explanation. Now, avoid sweeping assumptions or self-judgments about yourself. And remember that there are, in fact, many situations in life, especially when you're just doing things automatically, where you are confident and you do feel capable and you can put yourself out there. Number two, focus on what you do want in a situation instead of what you don't want. So here, build a clear, detailed and compelling mental image of what success will look and feel like for you. Your brain will really thank you for this because essentially a busy brain is a happy brain. And so when we give it aspirations to work with, it can come out and really work on our side as well. And this is what we want. We want to be working for ourselves in our corner rather than against ourselves. I mean, let's face it, there's enough opposition out there in the world. So let's start by being on our own side. And lastly, remember to avoid excessive introspection. So if you find yourself in a situation and you can feel maybe you're feeling introspective or shy or just not feeling as comfortable as you would like to, snap out from the internal experience and return your attention to the external situation or focus on the occasion of others and make service to others your goal. And this shift in intention can be profound for your energy flow and how you feel. Okay, I hope you found this helpful. And if you have any questions, contact me at dom at anxietymaster.org. Be really happy to hear from you and I'll be in touch soon. All right, till the next episode of A Slice of Life, take care and see you soon.